Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Stardomcast. I'm your host, Rob Gooding. I'm joined as ever by Mr. Matt Turner and the most awesome of Kongs, Awesome Kong herself. How are you? I'm well, you guys. Thank you for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. We were just saying um, that you're on the road at the moment. So the fact that you're able to do this for us and manage to fit us in is honestly fantastic. I can't thank you enough. Now, Matt, you wanted to thank someone else as well. Yes, awesome, Kong. First of all, thank you for doing the show and hello to everyone in the Stardom Cast universe. Uh, awesome, Kong. I just want to kind of put over our mutual friend that helped set this up. Uh, Joey bro- Image. Joey <laughs> Image. If there is, in the definition of the word good brother, Joey Image is an absolute good brother. Now, I've known Joey about 20 years, so I was just wondering, one, uh, how did you meet Joey Image? And two, um, let's start this podcast off with a good Joey Image story. But before you do, I do want to let you know, you know what I'm going to say, Rob, that we try to keep a clean podcast, and we both know Joey has a very silver tongue. So I'm just curious, like I said, uh, one, how did you meet Joey? And two, uh, let's start the podcast off with a really good Joey Image story. Um, okay, we met at a show um, on the Northeast, uh, which promotion I'm not exactly sure but um, we met at a, at a show in the Northeast a long, like a, over a decade ago. And um, we, we just kept in touch over social media. This is when Twitter was new. That's how far we go back. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, he had posted like he was going to retire. And so I gave him a call um, and like cut a promo on him and insisted that he not leave the business. And um, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't leave the business. He stayed on for a few more years and uh, we just became really good friends uh, after that. Now, as far as a good story, well, there was this one time I did a show in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And this is when I, there was a really bad storm. It was after Sandy, but this was um, a really bad storm where they said that we were going to be like snowed in or, or stormed in for days. And so I was stuck at the hotel and Joey braved the weather to come and bring me. I was sick and he braved the weather to come and bring me like orange juice 
and soup and whatnot oh and God. water because I didn't know if I was going to have water for days and whatnot. And um, he made sure that I was taken care of. And the, the room that they got me was like this really nice suite. And so it had two rooms. It had a really big living room and a separate um, private bedroom and and like two baths. And so I insisted that Joey, like, you know, stay and, like, hang out. And he slept in the um, the living room. And I got up in the middle of the night um, to go to the bathroom. And the air conditioner was automatically on. I guess the hotel just, like, had it on. And it was, like, freezing cold. I could sworn I saw, like, a penguin in the corner. Uh, of the room and poor <laughs> Joey is on the couch with like no blankets and he's like sleep but he's shivering <laughs> and, <laughs> and I felt so bad for him because I'm, I'm in this plush bedroom in the back with like a comforter <laughs> and whatnot so I took the comforter off of my bed and I tucked Mr. Joey image in <laughs> I'm totally texting him when we get off this podcast. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. Yeah, he's a good he yeah, he is a definition of a good brother. I'll tell this story and I actually when we first um when Joey first got in touch with you and then you agreed to do the podcast, I mentioned this story on the podcast, but I kinda want I'm gonna mention it again. And I just want to mention it to you because this is the way that Joey is. So this is about twelve or thirteen years ago, give or take, we're wrestling in Connecticut. And the show just happened to be in a church. Again, you know Joey, we love Joey, but he's he's got that silver tongue mouth. So all of a sudden they're kind of hanging around the locker room. We're kind of bringing up like Joey Image on this show. It's in a church. Like, is he going to be on his best behavior? And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. He like like swearing is his second language. He doesn't even know that he's doing it. And Kong, I, I swear to you, I'm literally sitting in the locker room. The door opens up. He looks at me and he goes, Matt Turner, how the F are you? Obviously, he didn't say F, he said the whole word. The door didn't even, behind him didn't even shut. We all just started looking. We all, he just popped us without even knowing. Like he swore before the door even shut wrestling in a church. <laughs> and that's Joey Image in a nutshell. I mean, I have a zillion stories about him. He's just people that knows people. I'll just bump into him at like New, at like New York Comic Con. Like New York Comic Con before like the pandemic would always sell out within like two or three hours. And like we would like really hustle to try to get passes. Uh, me, my tag partner, Andy Header, my brother-in-law, uh, my, and my sister, we would always try to get the passes. And one of us would luck out and, you know, be able to score four passes where Joey would show up like two or three days before the con. And he'd be like, yeah, I got a four day pass. I'm like, how? Like, like, like literally how? Like we're, we're planning out like strategies, like we're getting ready to like take, you know, take over a small island to get these passes. And he just like contacts somebody and he's able to get a four day pass VIP the whole nine. But uh, yeah, Joey <laughs> image is the definition of a good brother. Yeah. He sounds a good guy. I wish that I knew him. And maybe when I come to Philly for uh, for WrestleMania, I'll meet the elusive Joey Image. Maybe. <laughs> He'll probably be backstage somewhere. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Being tucked in by Kong. Um, <laughs> um, but Kong, I can't wait to dig into your wrestling history because the more research I've done, the more I've realized your opponent list just reads like a who's who of wrestling royalty. Like, it got to a point where I spent 15 minutes just on cage match typing in names to see if you'd wrestled them. And like 95% of them, you've either been in a ring with or shared a ring with. 
Like, obviously, I know that you're now retired and hopefully you are enjoying your retirement, but you must look back on this career and think, I did pretty damn well. I feel fulfilled in in my um, career. Um, I feel that I contributed to women's wrestling and changed the face of it to where um, women aren't just a popcorn match and are taken seriously. And uh, who's debuting as far as the next generation? of women and uh yeah I would say like it's all like that game six degree you get serious a wrestler and within like three matches yeah tie me to up for sure. <laughs> that should be a drinking game. Six degrees um it got it got to a point Kong where I started just typing in random names. Like, I typed in Jaggy Yakota, thinking there's absolutely no way Awesome Kong has either wrestled Jaggy Yakota or been in a ring with Jaggy Yakota. And there's like four matches came up. I was like, is there anybody she hasn't wrestled? I mean, you you obviously became the biggest face in history when you eliminated Michael Cole from the Royal Rumble. But um, <laughs> the fact that you have wrestled all these people is just incredible. And... I'm really glad you brought up um, sort of changing the face of women's wrestling um, and sort of making them not the popcorn match because we've actually got a question and I was going to leave it a little bit till we were talking about you running TNA. Um, But this comes courtesy of our friend over on Discord, um, Jose Lara. And he actually, he's actually written, this is my question. How did you feel when you and Gail Kim became the first women to main event TNA Impact? And also the second in American wrestling behind Trish Stratus and Lita in, uh, in 2004 on Raw. And I know that obviously you're a huge wrestling, a huge Lita fan, sorry. Unless I'm very much mistaken, wasn't Lita a huge influence on you from the get-go? Oh, yes, she was, because she displayed all the athleticism and seriousness mm. um, that that was needed to, like, you know, s- begin a spark and uh, influence and make generate that want to get in the ring and do what she did. Trish was also a really big influence on me, too, because if you remember when she started, um, she she broke in pretty hard. It, it mm. um in the world. I have so much respect for her because uh and you know in the beginning they wrote a lot of storylines that were wrapped around her looks and beauty mm. and through her persistence she garnered so much respect by displaying actual ability mm. in in the ring and you can see her transition and her improvement over you know her arc of improvement was just incredible and, it, and that was a huge inspiration you know I, I was a Lita fan big Lita fan however watching Trisha's transition of being really green in the ring to being a ring captain was um a ring general was extremely 
inspirational. I'm like, if she could, if she started where she started and she's now where she is, I can do that too. So, although I was a big Lita fan, big, big Lita fan, I would say Trish Stratus had even a bigger influence to actually make me put on boots and give it a try. We used to, me and my friends used to refer to Trish, especially when she's getting towards her prime as Trish Kawada, because the ferocity <laughs> she would kick you with, it was like, man, like she can go toe-to-toe with Kawada and Budokan. But that just really goes to show, Kong, that if you really put your heart and your mind and desire into something, no matter where you start, the journey will take you wherever you want to go. Exactly. She refused to be put in a box, and she she broke the mold. She she really uh, burst through that glass ceiling, and I, I love her for that. Um, you know, those that those three women. You know, uh, Trish, Lita, China. I wouldn't be here without their performance, without their contributions. Yeah. It, China was fantastic. I remember seeing China for the first time. I was only, I think I was only eight at the time. And I remember seeing her and just thinking, wow, she's so imposing and so, so different to what I expected. Um, And obviously, Trish, you mentioned the progression. She was, by the time she retired in 2006, she was completely different, completely unrecognizable to the way she was when she debuted. Um, Was any of this going through your mind, you know, so, you know, as I mentioned, Trish and Lita main evented Raw, first women to main event Raw. And then there's you and Gail Kim, who, when we t- said to on social media and Patreon and things that we were interviewing you, so many people came forward and said, oh, awesome Kong's feud with Gail Kim. Like, it's one of those seminal moments of wrestling for me. It was one of those things that I remember from wrestling. Did any of that go through your mind, the fact that I'm doing the same as Lita and Trish? Um, well, well, not that exact comparison, like we were doing the same um, as Lita and Trish. For Gail and I, we felt like we were um, embarking on something new mm. um, and, and really uh, visceral. You know, I don't want to say raw because that's that's a different. That's fun. But you know, it was it was really um, the core of it. It, it. it was it was something different. And every time we met in the ring, we really people talk about living the gimmick. We would live the gimmick when we stepped into the ring she she was gail kim this super baby face and i was awesome kong this monster that wanted to do the most damage and create the most carnage that i could you know um and we we lived it we were those people Mm. when we stepped into the ring and i think that's what people saw and it you know shone through that you know these are these women, oh, they, they believe they own hype right now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's the idea. But I mean, that's, that's what, that was the dream. That's the dream to go in there and um, be someone else uh, and to get paid for that, to, to get paid to step in the ring and be someone else um it it was real for us it it was 
the most real, authentic thing that I've ever experienced. You know, people that don't really watch wrestling or don't know about it always use that um, four-letter F word that we um, <laughs> do not like. But um, <laughs> we that that wasn't a thing for us. We seriously we stepped in the ring and we wanted to. Um, eviscerate each other in the most professional manner <laughs> of course always in the most professional manner um i mean for me personally with with tna um and we'll probably come back to tna because some things i desperately want to know including a story that you told on inside the ropes uh the tour with uh, kenny mcintosh which i absolutely love and i replayed about four times when it came up on youtube um but the one thing i just want to sort of say about tna in that period it was built on two pillars for me the x division and the knockouts division because at that time the tna impact knockouts were doing things that the wwe basically were steering away from completely so what you were doing was incredible you know the stuff that you were doing with gail was incredible to the point where even now however many years you know into the future it's still for me one of the best feuds in tna history without a shadow of a doubt what and you mentioned being real and visceral it's certainly one of the most real and visceral feuds and i think you did a fantastic job both you and gail um with that and i'm again i'm sure we're going to return to uh the topic of tna in uh, in a bit but i just want to take you back if that's okay all the way back to the start um, where you end up in All Japan Women's in 2002. Now, this, unless I'm very much sticking with where you made your debut, did you? how did this come about? How did you end up over in Japan wrestling the likes of Aja Kong and, you know, Manamu Toyota later on, Jaguar Yakota? How did this end up happening? Um, well, a lot of things went right at the right time. Hmm. Um, it started with, um, I'm taking back way back, back in time. It's, <laughs> it started with my brother-in-law wanting to be on Tough Enough, an MTV reality show where you uh, had an opportunity to win a WWE contract. Hmm. And because I was a professional at the time, a social worker and had my own office, he asked me to download and print out the application. And when I did, I printed out one for myself and submitted um, uh, the requirements, which was like a video and a little blurb about yourself. And um, I got called up uh, to come try out in Vegas. And um, it was a long, like, three days. They, they, they hoarded us into this room in Caesar's Palace, and they did this speech, and half of the people were, like, indie workers, which I didn't know anything about. I thought in wrestling, you know, WWE or WWF at the time was, um, that was, that was it. You wrestled, that's where you went, but, so I had a lot to learn. They, um, gave us like the rundown of what to expect in, in the show. You, you know, you're going to go into the ring. It's a no bump ring. And I didn't know what that meant. Well, I said, no bump. I don't know what that <laughs> Boxing <is."> ring. <laughs> you know, 
and um, you're gonna you're gonna do your promo, and then they're gonna speak to you, and you, and you get out. And there was about four or five hundred people trying out, so it took like three days. You had three minutes in the ring. It took like three days to get through everybody, and they gave us numbers, and I was actually um in line right next to Kenny King. And um, for those three days, Kenny, like, like, you know, gave gave me the insight of like the indie wrestling scene. So I got to learn what a bump was and whatnot. And so when it was my turn to go up, um, I go in and I do my promo and I'm so proud of myself with my two-tone purple hair. <laughs> and I, I do the, um, the kip up that they asked to do kind of sort of and um <laughs> and then i was done and i'm so proud of myself and then jr is like okay thanks next and i'm like well wait a minute ask me questions you asked all these other people questions ask me questions and jr's like no no thank you you can go and and i'm like no i'm not leaving i just drove <laughs> my beat up kia through the mountains from la to las vegas my mama with me she's got I, you know uh, um, you don't know the pressure my mother puts on me i'm not leaving this week to you guys ask me some questions then took off work and everything no we talking <laughs> Basically, I cut a promo on JR, uh, really excited Bob Holly. And so Bob's like, you know, yeah, let's ask us some ask, ask her some questions. And then um JR just like ripped into me and was like, Why why do you think you deserve, you know, to be at you know, to get this an opportunity to get this contract? You are too big and too overweight to ever make it in wrestling. You you would never make it here, darling. And that put a fire under my butt uh, to say, you know, no one says that to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, watch this. And so when I went home all dejected and poor because I gambled all my money away that weekend. (laughs) (laughs) When in Vegas. I contacted some friends because I grew up in the entertainment business. My mother was, you know, a producer, an actress, and a contestant coordinator for Family Feud. So I, I was always uh, plugged into the entertainment business. And I called a few friends, and a friend of mine said, Well, there's a show that is uh, casting. It's called uh, Discovery Health Body Challenge. And what that show was was basically like The Biggest Loser, but it was, it took place way before The Biggest Loser was even a thing. And um, the producers there knew I wanted to be a wrestler, so they casted me. And evidently, uh, they thought I was too heavy to even be on their show, but they liked my personality. And I'm like, I'm too big to be on a weight loss show? Come on now. And so... <laughs> to train with Jesse Hernandez. That's where I took my first bump out um, at the Empire Wrestling Federation School of Hard Knocks in San Bernardino. Gotta give a shout out. <laughs> and, um, but then they also knew that I was a big China fan because one of the producers saw her book in my apartment. I had read her book. And so they organized a segment where China they did a surprise like visit with China and she was training um, at the New Japan Dojo in Santa Monica. And so with that, the team, 
the New Japan team said I could come over and train anytime I want. And so um, I plugged in and um, got in with, you know, all the Inokis over there at New Japan. A few weeks later, they called and say, hey, Kia, there is a promoter for all Japan women here looking for talent you should come in and try out and i said well okay and it was two of us it was shelly martinez who also trained at um school of hard knocks and she had been wrestling for um a few years and then there was me who had just taken her first bump two weeks ago wow <laughs> and all i knew how to do was like run the ropes and throw a clothesline and, and take a bump because I knew what a bump was now. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, that's all I knew. However, that worked in my favor because they actually wanted someone that they could teach and mold in their ways and not have to break any habits that they didn't like, you know. Mm. And plus, I was this um, big and posing. Um, urban black woman that you know is walking around japan is basically like you know godzilla walking around (laughs) and so they they booked me and it was fortunate at the time because asha kong had just left the company they had a big public um uh breakup but there was a big show coming up in kawasaki and so on the card, it was A Kong versus Hoda Yumiko. And so, by naming me Amazing Kong, which was unbeknownst to me, <laughs> I that, that I didn't know that that's what I would be called because my first wrestling name was Vixen. You know, um, ah. the, the show got me to lose all this weight. So, I was going to come in with my black uh, patent leather cat suit and my. <laughs> Uh, hair down to my butt with you know my, my shiny boots and you know my sex appeal and whatnot and that's you know every every wrestler has an ideal in their head of, of what gimmick they want to do uh, when they first get into wrestling and that was mine I'm gonna come in and beguile you with my sex appeal and then scratch you in your everywhere you know but <laughs> from Vixen to coming to the New Japan Dojo one day and a rookie Shinsuke Nakamura is training there and as soon as I walk in he points at me and says Amazing Kong which I thought was the most racist thing to say (laughs) you know I know you're foreign but you can't come to America and point at black women that's what we do here and Shinsuke Nakamura is one of the sweetest persons in the world. And so after we understood that there was a misunderstanding, he brought out the um, the Japanese um, wrestling magazine and pointed to the section. There was an article where they had had a um, press conference and said they found a girl. Her name is Amazing Kong, and she'll be, you know, at the show in Kawasaki. And so now I finally understood that, oh, okay, evidently I have this new name. I've gone from Vixen, this um, woman with great sex appeal, to this monster heel. Well, that's a big 180, but okay. <laughs> and, then, um, and, then that's, and then two weeks later, I find myself in Japan main eventing 
um, a big show at Kawasaki, which was then. And it's it's so bizarre that first of all, how much your gimmick pivoted, which you know from uh, as you've just said, this vixen, this person who relies on her sex appeal, and then you know strikes scratching as as you put it, um, to just this monster destroyer, and you've gone from taking your first bump to main eventing a show in Kawasaki. That's absolutely incredible the journey you've taken in such a short time like a fever dream like yeah really. absolutely yeah, a fever dream. like I'd a fever myself. dream <laughs> yeah. um and it actually answers one of my questions one of my friends garth who will kill me if i don't mention him on this podcast he's a huge awesome kong fan huge um and he actually asked a question what or who inspired you to create the awesome kong character the fact that you had no say in this whatsoever <laughs> and it's what you've lived ever since is that is that as weird as it sounds well you know wrestling in itself basically when you decide to become a wrestler you basically decided to you know up and join the circus (laughs) yeah fair (laughs) absolutely fair yes i hadn't thought about it that way um but am i right in thinking that um hotter the person that you had your debut match with isn't she a legitimate MMA fighter? Yeah, she is. Uh, however, all the girls that train in Japan are skilled in mixed martial arts. Um, there were um, a few times where we participated in actual mixed martial arts um, bouts. You know, we had to be weighed, measured, and matched up with people of our weight class and skill and in fact there was one show it was a big show it was an all women show and there were six professional wrestlers there um that had matches that day i was one of them and i was the only professional wrestler to win her bout wow that's quite impressive like I cannot believe how much you are doing considering you are a relative rookie in the business and they really did sort of throw you in the deep end. It was really a case of sink or swim, wasn't it? Oh, oh it really, really was. But the fact that, like I said, I grew up in the entertainment field. Um, I've been a child actor since, you know, I can walk and talk. Um, I when I got to Japan, I didn't know really how to wrestle, but I knew how to act like I could wrestle. <laughs> Figure it out as you go, right? Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> um, so, obviously, we move on. You're still part of All Japan Women's, and I want to go into a couple of um, specific people in a moment. But obviously, you joined All Japan right at sort of the tail end of their uh, sort of their run and i know that things had gotten had gotten quite bad for the company with one thing and another what was it like backstage what was sort of the the atmosphere like was there a sense that yeah this is going to come to an end soon or was it a case of mm, sort of oh we're on the up and up and then it and then it just sort of ending well you know Everyone um, on the roster 
worked as hard as they could to make sure everything could go as long as it could hmm. um, and, until the very end. There was a sense of foreboding, like even in a foreign language, I could tell like, uh-oh, something's up. Um, but, you know, the girls showed up to work every day and gave it 110%. Hmm. Um, as things, you know, things just started to chip away, you know, the, the owners of the company, the uh, Matsunagas, in the beginning of All Japan Women, it was like this big national phenomenon. Mm. And, you know, they had this big building, uh, five stories with, you know, the dorms on top, the restaurant, the office, and the, the dojo on the bottom. Um, so it was like this wrestling mecca um, that it, it was a wrestling haven. I, I absolutely loved it. And it was really sad when towards the end, um, they lost they lost that building, which was basically like a historic building almost. It really was enmeshed in um, the, the cultural fabric of Japan. Mm. Um, and to see it torn down and they literally tore down Paradise and put up a parking lot. Literally, it's a parking lot now. Where that oh building was God. is a pay, pay per hour parking lot. And that was the saddest thing um, I'd ever experienced. I mean, kind of kick ass that Jody Mitchell knows her shit, but like, you know, <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was sad to see. And the the company went on for another two years, and we we clawed our way into existence and and worked with other companies. But in the end, everyone went their separate ways, and the library, I think, was sold off, and it was done. It's such a sad way for such a um, an amazing company, pardon the pun, obviously, but you know, such a brilliant company that had such fantastic shows and fantastic matches and was responsible for some of the best women's wrestlers of all time for the company to go out in the way it did. I mean, I knew that the building had been reclaimed by creditors, but I've got no idea they actually physically tore it down to put up a parking lot. That's absolutely crazy. Um, like, I just can't believe that. Um, obviously, as you Kong, um, you've already mentioned her. You were sort of the A Kong to replace A Kong. Um, uh, obviously, she comes back and you have fights with her. You win the tag belts with her. Um, you're basically intrinsically linked when it comes to all Japan. What's she like as a person? What was your sort of relationship like with her both in the ring and outside the ring and basically what was your experience of Asia and how hard is it well how hard does her back fist actually hit I feel like that's an important question that a lot of people want to hear me too Rob great question brother (laughs) (laughs) well um one Aja Kong is a woman of superior class I have to say that when i met her for the very first time I ran into her at a steakhouse B&M steakhouse and I was uh, having dinner with a friend another wrestling friend of mine who went by um, uh, the name Tsunami 
and she she walks in she's like that's there's Aja Kong over there and here I am this rookie that has been named you know you know basically they just like stole her name and gave it to me <laughs> and all I really knew about her at that point is that she had a big breakup with the company and I didn't know if like she was upset that they had named me Kong or what I'm like are we gonna be fighting in the steakhouse I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Film it. <laughs> so Tsunami says, you know, you know, the the thing to do, we need to go over and say hello and give our respects. And so we went over and I introduced myself and said hello. And she was really nice and polite. And um, you know, we bowed and and you know, backed up and left and went to our table. And uh, because she was there before us, when she left, you know, she said goodbye, we got up, we bowed again, and she left, and 20 minutes later, we learned she had paid for our meal. Oh, wow. Talk about class, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Here I was thinking, oh, we're going to get the steakhouse brawl between the Kongs. <laughs> and right? Like, seriously, I'm sitting there like, I don't, do I just go and, like... <laughs> Scratching her everywhere, did a little bit of vixen. Like, what, what do I do? <laughs> Bring out the vixen. <laughs> now she was extremely delightful and had paid for our meal. Shut me right up. I'm like, well, okay, no. I mean, that's just class right there. And um, the next time we met, I believe it was at a show. Again, she was magnanimous and just lovely. And um, pretty soon we were working together. Now, as far as her back fits, <laughs> I will say this: the first time, and this is uh, this is this is I'm I'm not exaggerating here at all. Um, we're in the match, and it's time for the back fist. And she gives it to me. And I never thought that this was an actual thing, but this is an actual thing. The closest I can describe it is is that she knocked me into third grade. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because I literally said, but I don't want to use the blue pencil. <laughs> they used the public we used to give us these big fat blue pencils <laughs> and that was the only thing that came to mind was the big flat fat blue pencils from the background <laughs> and, and folks out there that's why us wrestlers do not like it when you use the four letter word that uh, <laughs> f word and we don't mean the one that rhymes with duck either you can do not say that to pro wrestlers because there's nothing f about it <laughs> and oh. right there there's the proof is in the pudding <laughs> but what's awesome about it is that she is so dead on with it that while it is extremely um, snug, mm. she makes sure that she strikes you in the place that uh, will not cause cranial damage, if you understand what I mean. It's hard yes. to say places, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She hits, she hits, I mean, like Robin Hood has nothing on her. She, she <laughs> on every time in, in the proper place. Um, but yeah, you, you feel it. Your teeth are rattled. Um, but it's it's just nerve endings. It's nerve endings. Um, it's um, 
go on, Ma, after you. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, buddy. Um, we mentioned earlier before about Miami Toyota. She's, uh, I mean, if anybody does their homework, she's not only one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time, but one of the greatest wrestlers, period, of all time. What was she like, like in the ring, backstage, and just as a person as well? Um, extremely lovely. All, all, all the women in Japan, lovely. They, you know, their thing was, we make, um, if, if I make you look good and you make me look good, we make money together. Um, I didn't experience any egos of people, you know, um, in wrestling, we always say, trying to get their shit in. Mm. Um, it was all about, um, the camaraderie and making sure we had the best show ever. And as far as Toyota's concerned, I mean, she, I witnessed her. She had an anniversary show one time and she wrestled in every single match. And I don't mean like <laughs> these five minute puff matches, even though there was one match that was like nice, short and comical and fun. No, she had, there was six matches on the card and she went hard in every single one of them. It was a physical feat that absolutely wowed me. And um, it, it, she wasn't no spring chicken at the time. And <laughs> she went hard. And she, she basically stayed. And she came out at the beginning of the show. And she basically stayed in that ring until the end. Um, if you can catch it. I highly recommend that you watch it because just the physical prowess of this woman was uh, a feat in itself. Like Guinness World Records should like figure out something. <laughs> of, you know, with that day. And I'll also add on a personal note that the woman can bake like a demon. <laughs> <laughs> The pastry and baked goods she would provide were out of this world. So. We get all the great scoops on the uh, Stardom cast, Absolutely. don't we, <laughs> Joey Image is being tucked in by Amazing Kong. We almost had a steakhouse brawl and Manama Toyota, the best cook. Um, <laughs> so I want to I want to pivot away from all Japan in a moment, but obviously. You became tag champs, the last tag champs, I believe, with Azure Kong. Um, and you became the top champion in the company um, when I believe you beat Hamada. Um, and then I think you lost it to Hamada as well. But how did, how did it come across to you that you were going to be winning the biggest championship in this company just over two years after you debuted? Um, it felt like well, at, at that point, you know, two years in, I finally understood where I was and um, what I was doing mm. and the contribution I was making to wrestling and the just how blessed I was to be a part of, of that scene. So when that came about, uh, it felt like an enormous responsibility to be worthy of that of that belt and be the type of not just heel but the type of champion that um, the fans respected and loved to hate. I think that's a good way of putting it. I mean, obviously, all Japan went under, but. Um, 
one person that I do know that you wrestled, Nanai Takahashi. Um, obviously, she's still currently um, active in stardom and doing very well, considering she's been going as long as she has. Um, you've what's she like to wrestle? And this can sound like a really daft question. She's very, very screamy now, and I don't remember her being as screamy in all Japan. Has that always been a thing that you know of, or was, is this just the latest in in Nene Takashi's life? Oh no, it would always scream and shout <laughs> what. And I mean, she would scream so much you find yourself screaming. You know? <laughs> it, it just was, you know, that that kind of way. Um, oh gosh, she's a consummate professional. I mean, when I say when I got there, there were times, you know, like I said, when I got there, that was my second match ever for my career. Hmm. And as I went on, um, because of the language barrier, you know, after a match, you know, I'd ask, you know, how was it and whatnot. And a lot of the times the girls were just really nice about it. Not I was not. And when I say she was not, I mean, she was not in the best possible way. She did not blow smoke up my ass I see, right. she sat me down and she would get out a dictionary and she would make sure that we communicated and went over everything that didn't go as planned and everything that could be better and everything that was good as well um, and it was through her criticisms that I finally began to progress um, as a wrestler because when you come back and even though your match is crap and everybody's like, yay, you're like, yay. <laughs> you know, it wasn't until she sat down on bring out and I knew, I knew when that dictionary came out, okay. When we leave here, they're going to be still sweeping up the building. It's going to be me um, But it, it, it was, I, I feel so blessed and so fortunate that she wanted me to be the best I could be. She wanted to to build me up to be the best heel um, to face so that she actually faced somebody who was worth defeating, hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so she, she, she's the one who accelerated my ability in the ring. God bless her for that. And and it through her through her professionalism of wanting me to succeed and get better and taking the time to um, give me constructive criticism, I've always taken um, that lesson and passed it on. You know, well, you know, a lot of people in entertainment want to be people pleasers and they want people to like them. But if you're really someone's friend and if you really want them to succeed, you have to say the hard things, too. Mm. And if they are wise and if they are worthy, they will hear it and they will apply your wisdom towards um, their routine. That's a really nice story, actually. Like, 
I, we've obviously never seen that sort of side of Nanai Takahashi at the moment in stardom. She's sort of doing this thing where she's having matches with the rookies and literally dragging them up to her level. So it seems like it's something she's been doing for years and years and years, and that's quite an endearing quality, really. Um, paying it, yeah, paying it forward. That's basically what it is, paying it forward to just make the business, you know, better. You know, that's a, yeah, it's a great quality that she has, obviously. Um, final question about All Japan before we move on to something altogether different, which I can't wait to talk to you about. Um, who were your favorite and least favorite opponents when it came to All Japan? And, you know, you can throw Gay Japan and LLPW and all the other promotions you wrestled for in Japan. Who stuck out as your favorite opponent that you know whenever you stepped in a ring with them, it was going to be magic? And who were the ones, if any, that you stepped in the ring, looked across and went, I am in for a rough night? Um... Oh gosh, Sophie's choice, right? Um, I would say whenever I would step into the ring with Maikawa Kumiko, um, that was always going to be a great time. She was my wrestling mother, and she always took care of me. It drove her crazy that my socks never matched. <laughs> she, she always after me she always took care of me um so whenever we were in the ring i would try that much harder harder to make sure that she was pleased uh with the match now as far as like excitement and and, and like oh this is gonna be a good match one of the best wrestlers i've ever seen in my life is momo um Nakanishi. Ah. she was one of the first uh story arcs that I had after Hoda. Mm. And she was my first, I think, uh, cage match. And they had sent, before I got to Japan, they had sent me home with like DVDs to watch, you know, the girls work and understand what I was getting myself into. And my whole family, my nieces and nephews, they were really young at the time, um, you know, got gathered around the TV to watch, you know, these DVDs. And my nieces and nephews fell in love with Momo because she was so dynamic and just magic in the ring. And when I called and told them, hey, I'm going to be fighting Momo, they're like, oh, Kiki, you can't be Momo Nakanishi. <laughs> She's the best. But she, she, she really was. She, she was four foot nothing, and, but strong as a whip and speedy and precise and um she wowed me the first time we had a cage match and we're in there we're fighting and we're going toe to toe and then she ran up the cage like a spider monkey and it was so quick and so fast that one i just had to stand there with my mouth open like did i just see what i just saw and they just did, did somehow did they put like a, a, a like a crane or something <laughs> like to like lift her up out of the cage that was she like def, defied gravity and like ran up like a spider monkey <laughs> and like you know, I'm performing and fighting and I'm standing there like an idiot going wow that was cool. wow that was cool oh yeah I'm performing right now okay let's go. <laughs> She she had that um, she had that presence in the ring where she could wrestle a broom mm. and it was 
it was one of the best matches ever. I mean, but it hurt on the eight with tag, um, and they were one of the best tag teams I ever saw because uh, Nana herself can can wrestle. Uh, well, actually, literally, Nana and myself, we had a match against Kara Kara Karopi once. A, literally a plush dog, Kara Kara Right. We wrestled that doll and put that doll. That doll was a star. By the <laughs> I mean, that doll whipped us around and bumped us here and there and, and, and gave us all kinds of false finishes and it was absolutely scary believable but uh, to tell you the truth but it was fun and um amazing but if you can wrestle a plush doll and it and actually suspend your belief for half a second and buy into that then you're a hell of a wrestler and nane and uh momo nakanishi has those capabilities um so uh, oh sorry i thought you'd finished enjoying um someone in the ring uh, gosh, there was this one wrestling girl. They called them actresses, and that was a um, athlete and an actress mixed all in one. Right. And there was one chick I can't remember her name, but her nickname was the Egoist. Hello, that gives you a clue. <laughs> right. I'm brand new to this business. I think it was like barely my fourth month in. And uh, she took some liberties. And um, next thing I know, I'm in an actual fight in the middle of a match. And I'm very confused because the language barrier and the fact that, uh, hey, this ain't, hey. It, it was like that Rocky scene where it was like, hey, this ain't what we talking about. Uh, Thunderlips. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was like, <laughs> this ain't what we discussed. It was like, yeah, it was like Rocky and Thunderlips for Rocky Three, and uh, it, it got bizarre for a minute. But uh, in the end, uh, we we garnered our professionalism and uh, finished as professionals. But after that, it was um, very. Uh, a very chilly relationship, I have to say. Um, but evidently, she had that kind of relationship with uh, a, a lot of people, which is unusual in Japanese women's wrestling. Because, like I said, the camaraderie there is so strong, and everyone's extremely unselfish. So, but whenever we'd have, you know, share a locker room. It was like the kind of relationship where she would say, Oh, dear John, you're so cute, such a sweet face, so nice, like that baby. And it's like, Okay, you go a shade, bitch. It's cool. It's cool. But I'll be like, Oh, whatever her name was, Egoist, you're so thin. No, like, uh, finished food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right back. That's awesome. You followed it right back. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, it is it is bizarre that you do well, I suppose you you know, it it does take all sorts. Um 
So, all Japan, you are awesome Kong. You are a monster. Um, you team with Aji Kong, another monster. Talk to me a little bit how you two monsters of wrestling. Oh wait, wait, wait! You're about to ask us, ask me about hustle, aren't you? I am about to ask you about hustle. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to ask, how did we get from Awesome Kong and Azure Kong to Margaret and Erica? How did this happen? <laughs> well, I mean, Hustle was a very, very, very different promotion and acquired taste. And I would say more like a satire and um, commentary on wrestling. Well, you know, first of all, they didn't call it wrestling. They called it a fighting opera. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and it really wasn't a scale. It really wasn't like an operatic scale. You know, the, the, the production value was extremely high and um, as well as, you know, the paydays and stuff. And it, it was just a different kind of product. So, oh, what better way to, uh, like, have this contrast and shock people than to have the two biggest monster heels be <laughs> these cute, girly um, baby faces and tutus. Legitimately, the first time I saw, and this is all um, the question comes from at Plastic Afro, who just basically wants to know about what your experience like was there, what your experience was like when you were there, and sort of how did your character come about. I remember for the first time seeing an image of yourself and Ajakong as Margaret and Erica in those tutus, and it took me a good 20 minutes to realize it wasn't photoshopped. Um, I thought it was a fake photo for the longest time. And then obviously I'd read a little bit about Hustle. Um, but how sort of did you go in with this idea? Did Aja Kong go in with this idea or was this all the Hustle creative team? It was written by the producers of uh, Hustle. Right. You know, they have... Like I said, the production value was extremely high, and so they had these sketches of what the character and um, costume was going to look like, and a general, a general, very general idea of what the characters were. And um, basically, for us, it was just like you know, your characters are a one hundred and eighty of what you usually do. And I'm like, okay. And so I kind of based my Margaret off of, I was a big fan growing up of a show called Animaniacs. Oh, my. Ah, yes. I haven't and heard about that show in years. <laughs> yeah, I love that show. And so there was a character on there. Um, gosh, I can't remember her name, but she was a little girl and she had Elmira. And she had like. <laughs> She had like a pet, and she would like hug it together. And the pet was always trying to get away from her. And yes, like I love you and squeeze you and love you, and <laughs> and so that was basically Margaret. She's lovable, but she's stronger than she understands. And when she's hugging you, she's not trying to bear hug you. She's just trying to, you know, 
give you some love. But <laughs> if it ends up that you, you know, tap out or go to sleep, then oops. <laughs> Honestly, I I could have done a thousand interviews with you and I would not have expected an Animaniacs reference. Um <laughs> Honestly, I I still see that um, it's them that do the country song where they go through every single country. Um, and oh yes. I, my brother used to be able to do that. We used to watch it that much, but uh, yeah. Um, I just I'm, I'm really intrigued by the whole hustle promotion just because of how different it was to like Gaia and all Japan and things like that. Um, Matt, have you got any questions regarding Kong in Japan before we move slightly? more towards America. No, sir. You hit the, the two things I want to talk about was with the Aja Kong and uh, Toyota. So you, uh, as always, sir, you hit them right on the head. So, but thank you very much. Um, so obviously you moved to TNA um, where you became the biggest thing in the company. I'm just going to say it from, from certainly from my standpoint anyway, but how was, and this sort of piggybacks onto a question that Joseph Usher has put on our Patreon what what was the what were the main differences between wrestling in Japan and wrestling in America and sort of was it tougher with the Japanese female psychology and were they I suppose you've answered this in a way with uh, Nanai Takahashi with being strict if you missed a spot etc were there big differences between sort of TNA and the likes of All Japan Women's and Gay Japan and LLPW? Well, I mean, with TNA, I I, don't, I I would say no, because when I started in TNA, we were starting this knockouts uh, thing where I got to bring what I learned in Japan into TNA, into what we were creating. So um, what we were creating was different from just American... Um, indie work and even and different from Japanese um, uh, matches it was a hybrid mm. of, of sorts something new something something different um, something with the TNA brand stank on it as well you know because TNA has its own style I'm sure you would agree mm. um, so you mix you know the Japanese style and the American style and um, the things that, um, you know, Gail learned at WWE and the things that the other women learn um, traveling abroad, like Mexico and whatnot. And this was um, a new different thing that we were creating. So with TNA, not, not that big of a difference. Um, but when I came from Japan to America, um, I had only been working on the Indies a few months before I went to TNA. And there was a huge contrast as to how um, I would work in Japan and what is usual in the States. Uh, one of my first matches in the States, uh, it was like, one, you know, we didn't have the promoters at that time didn't give women that much time so uh, by the time our match was finished in japan that was, we were just getting started what are you talking about um and in america there's a i noticed that in the beginning there's a lot of sometimes uh, i call it 
Tiddlywinks. And <laughs> it took me a minute to learn that in America, you might have a little bit of Tiddlywinks in, in, in the beginning. It took me a while to stop saying, when are we going to just fight shit? <laughs> 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 fair to say you found that groove um obviously as we've already discussed with your fantastic feud with gail kim um what would you say so looking at your entirety of your run in tna there have got to be some standout matches i'm sure um what were your favorite matches um from your entire run in tna Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, just, I'm gonna throw like in not any particular order. That's okay. Fine. Sure. So, um, there is, of course, we went overseas uh, once, at, well, a few times, but the one, one time we went overseas, and there was a match between um, myself and. Um, the the Dudleys against Booker, um, Charmel and um, Scott Steiner, and then and during the match, uh, Mick Foley comes out and we do a bit and we got to kiss and it was awesome. <laughs> That's such a wild and, lineup of wrestlers, <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it, it was it was insane. It was so much fun. Um, so there, that was that. Then there was a match with Gail, um, a bunch of matches with Gail, but there's one that stood out where I came out and, uh, right beforehand, I, you know, I always talked about how it, we were living the gimmick. It was real to us. We were Kong and Gail. And before the match, I felt like I wasn't Kong and like Kong hadn't shown up that day. <laughs> and like I was like, uh, you know, Kong's not here, and Jeff Jarrett's like looking at me like, okay, you're crazy. So you're standing right in front of me, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. Um, she's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you couldn't find the persona, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but then my music hit, and I went out, and um, and we 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 got going. It, it, I remember the first spot was me going after Gail, and then I went over the ropes, and then after I went over the ropes. Kong really was there and we just went in and it was it was so much fun and I think it might have been the match that I went through a wall under the stage um, I remember this uh, match was, yeah yeah that that was really really that was really fun that's that's kind of one of the matches that you know people started calling their grandmas and stuff to be like watch watch the knockouts <laughs> and, and things and things really um fired up from there um then there was also a match
match, one of my absolute favorite matches, um, was a match that never aired. Okay. And it was uh, with cheerleader Melissa, and um, she she was Alyssa Flash. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we went out there, we had this, when I say this, amazing match. Uh, and it wasn't even going to be... It never even aired. It was like this. Just we need a match today. You guys go out and work. Guess what? We went out and worked. Um, and we get backstage, um, and people are like clapping, and I didn't know what they were clapping about, so I just start clapping like an idiot. Like, oh, <laughs> and they're like, they clapping for you. They like your match, and I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I can't. The only thing I remember about Roxy Laveau is her feud with, obviously, oh, who was it? The I think it might have been Angelina Love um, during lockdown 2007. I think. I think that's my only real memory of it. So I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to look. I'll have to look more at uh, some of the matches. Um, why was the cheerleader Melissa match never aired? Just did you know it wasn't going to be aired prior, or was it just a case of now nah, we're cutting it for time? Yeah, oh yeah, it, it, it was. It might have been set to air overseas, maybe. Right. I don't even think the cameras were on when we were out there <laughs> doing that match. Still um, filming the cameras. Like, um,
ever aired. It was we had so much fun and we did so many things that um, the audience, the fans at home, really would have enjoyed. Yeah, it's a shame that we never got to see that. I've seen there's so many people who speak highly of cheerleader Melissa. She had a stint in stardom as well. And people speak really, really highly of obviously we had Alison danger on, um, a couple of weeks ago and she speaks highly of cheerleader Melissa as well. So, uh, um, Alison danger friend of the show who you've also shared the ring with, cause it was something else I checked on cage match. Um, but yeah, I've got to ask in terms of TNA victory road, 2009, um, uh, the whole Jenna Maraska match. How how did this happen? I mean, to be fair, I knew nothing about it. And then I saw it literally a couple of weeks ago. And I could be completely wrong. I could be completely misreading the situation. But you looked like you'd rather be anywhere else than in the vicinity of that match. Did I misread that or was that absolutely the case? Um, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> from that long ago, you know, I'm in a profession where I get hit in the head a lot, so I cannot recall those events. <laughs> I do not remember that match. <laughs> Outstanding answer. Um, so obviously, you know. Hugely decorated in TNA. You were then in WWE briefly. You know, you did make it. You were able to show JR exactly what you were able to do, which was fantastic. See, I am here, relevant of what you said. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, sort of went to back to Impact, Independence, and then ended up in AEW. Um, so sort of what are your main memories of sort of that era? Because people, like, when you mention Awesome Kong, you think about the fantastic stuff in TNA, the fantastic stuff in Japan, both sides of your stint in WWE. What what were the differences between, like, Impact and WWE? Obviously, they're both American styles. But what were the major differences you found? Um, well, oh, I don't think I can really give an informed answer on that because I, I had left WWE still like in my honeymoon phase, so I didn't really get to um, look or experience a lot to have an informed opinion, you know? Yeah, yeah. I do know that I felt like at TNA, because we had started something um, and uh, the backstage that roster, that whole roster, that whole locker room, I felt was the greatest locker room on the face of the earth. One big family, everyone looking out for one another mm -hmm. um, because we were building something together. Um, I, I, I love that about TNA. It was, it was still, um, I have yet to find a locker room, even, even the locker room that I respect so much in Japan, um, as special as the locker room I shared during that time at TNA. Um, just between the men, the women, everyone just took care of one another. We were one big family. Um, now, being new at WWE, you know, you always hear stories, so you come in very apprehensive. 
and you know a good wrestling um coach if you if you learn from the best that um your wrestling coach would have told you at least once when you walk in somewhere for the first time close your mouth and open your ears Mm. and so that's what i did when um I got to WWE. However, I didn't think I wasn't there long enough to really have a, a, a well-rounded uh, assessment of the inner workings of the company. No, fair enough. Um, again, you still have one of my favorite moments ever in Royal Rumble history, eliminating Michael Cole. Still, still, even now, one of my uh, one of my favorite moments. Um, so obviously, you returned to TNA, you returned to Japan, and then you were part of AEW as well. The very sort of fledgling years of AEW and. How how did that come about? How did you get... Obviously, you were on the first Double or Nothing show as a surprise um, entrant with Azure Kong. You know, everything seems to come back to Azure Kong. Um, but how sort of did that come about? And talk a little bit about your run in AEW and, you know, what was it like backstage? Obviously, you've been hugely complimentary of the TNA locker room. Um, what? How did that compare to AEW? same people um, at AEW are a lot of the same people that were at TNA and um, since I was a part of AEW since inception that also felt like um, I was at a place where I was hope, uh, contributing to building something mm. uh, but between AEW and Glove uh, get to or have the influence um, I really wanted to before departing mm. and before COVID, like, you know, I don't, I, door for AEW is, is not shut. Uh, so you, you never know. I may be there in some capacity um, someday because they too are family members. It's a really close knit family over there. We get the Kong Sheeta match, Rob. That's, there we that's go. The that's match, what we want. Match. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. If you can get that done, awesome Kong, we'd be over the moon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, just a couple more things, and then we'll let you go and get on with your drive, I promise. Um, so, obviously, you've retired now. Um, do you keep up with wrestling? Do you keep up with wrestling in Japan? Do you keep up with wrestling in the US? If you are, what are you watching? Um, if not, what what where's the future lie? What are you what are you looking to do? Um no, I'll be honest, no, I do not keep up with wrestling because when wrestling with with wrestling, if you're a worker, if you're a wrestler, if you're watching it, you wanna do it. <laughs> right, absolutely yeah it's like trying to be on a diet rob you know what i mean it's like it's like i'm not gonna drink soda ever again and you go to the greatest like soda bar ever and, like, yeah come on exactly. it's a tease yeah. <laughs> uh, so i i'm i'm on wrestling hiatus for right now right um, okay just for right now but that doesn't mean i don't you know peek in on who's making noise hmm and whatnot um, every now and again. 
but the day-to-day, the rundown, you know, uh, no. But the the gist, I get the gist. Yeah. Um, honestly, to have you on here and speaking, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed hearing your stories, especially about, you know, the great times in all Japan and your time in TNA. And just thank you so much for taking the time to come onto the podcast and talk to us and answer our questions and things like that. We honestly, and especially as you're driving. So again, thank you so much, Awesome Con. We massively appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. Always, always a pleasure. Um, And guys, that's that pretty much rounds off our bonus episode. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, if you want to check out the podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find our socials at the Stardom Cast. Don't forget to check out the website, www.thestardomcast.com. Um, and if you want to talk to me, again, I don't know why you would, but if you do, um, you can find me at, at Real Rob Goodwin on the Twitter. Before I throw to Matt, Awesome Kong, do you want to plug your socials and where you're going to be and things like that? Oh, my Instagram is Spinning Fist. My Twitter is Mean Queen K. And Facebook is Kia Stevens. So check it out. And my dog's Instagram is Fat Fats the Dog. <laughs> There you go, guys. If you are not already subscribed to those Instagram accounts, what are you even doing? Um, that, by the way, Spinning Backfist, greatest Instagram handle I've ever heard. Um, Matt, sign us off, good sir. Absolutely. You guys want to get a hold of me? Questions, comments, suggestions, uh, let me know. Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. If social media is not your thing and you want to send me an email, that's fine as well. The stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via the email. Once again, Awesome Kong, we thank you very much for coming on. We had an absolute pleasure. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, we always appreciate the support from the fantastic friends and family of the Stardomcast because we cannot do this without you. Like I always say, it just not my podcast it's our podcast because we're all in this together and everybody's different everybody's special special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.